Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Keep listening, even though it's a crossover. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them, like, actually fighting crime. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catch the seeds, just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. Welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. I'm Seth Everett, and uh, we thank you so much for the rates, the reviews, the subscriptions. We love being on the new platform. It's been fun. Um, we have promised for a long time to do a Transformers episode. Um, you know, there was a story that I told recently on the podcast about uh, a childhood friend who passed away, and when I went to his funeral, one of the guys that I hadn't seen in 30 years says, you know, the thing that they remember about me the most was a fight that I had on a driveway that said Transformers were cooler than G.I. Joe's. And then the guy says to me, so what do you do now? I said, well, I do a podcast where we talk about how the Transformers are cooler than G.I. Joe's. Uh, Anthony Brucali is uh, an old co-worker of mine. Uh, we work together at the uh, MLA Bay uh, place, and um, we have stories from there. We are not going to tell any of those <laughs> stories from there. But we're here at New York Comic Con. I ran into him, and we decided to record a podcast. So, Anthony, uh, Anthony, of course, is a Transformers expert, and he's going to tell you exactly the website because I'm going to screw it up. So, tell me exactly. Tell me the Transformer. It's, it's you just tell me what it is. So it's uh, www.tfu.info. Uh, we're the longest-running Transformers and Transforming Toy Archive on the internet. We've been, I've been at it since 2001 when I started before the site was posted, and we launched in January of 2002. I'm also the host of a podcast called Transformers University, where we go over the uh, history of the Transformers brand uh, week by week. And uh, I was consulting producer on the Transformers episode of The Toys That Made Us on Netflix. That's right. That's a great show, and we still have to do an episode about that that documentary. Uh, oh my God! You're just giving me homework assignments. Um, <laughs> the, the the let's start in the beginning, okay? Because I'm imagining when you got into Transformers, you were young, and Generation One was the thing, and it has expanded all all along. But what was it originally that attracted you to this idea was it the toys was it the show was it the a little bit of both like how'd that work uh so it, it was most certainly probably um for transformers specifically uh the odd thing is i grew up a gobots kid uh i collected go cykill wasn't his name cykill and leader one yep those were the the leaders of uh the, the gobots and uh, i grew up a gobots kid and wasn't really into transformers until i was a little bit older because um, they were expensive they were, and uh, you know, I had seen 
the movie, I had rented the movie and, and kind of gotten into it and it was always kind of there. And then actually when I got into comic books and started reading the Transformers comic and how different that story was told versus how the cartoon was told um, and knowing these things exist in my mind uh, or you know existed out there and then kind of both lived as two different things in my mind, um, that's kind of when I really kind of like, this is really cool, this one thing and there's this one other thing. And then would have conversations with my friends as an early teenager at 12 or 13 and be like, and when it was long gone and people were like, oh, you remember Transformers? Like, well, the comics are real different and you'd have those conversations. And there's little like uh, signposts throughout my life where I'm like, oh yeah, I was still a Transformers fan then and I didn't even realize it. Well, I, what I remember about Generation One was I thought the show was cool. But it wasn't my favorite show. I, I thought it was the movie, the Transformers, the movie. Um, I'd never seen anything like that. Uh, killing a character was something you'd never conceptualize. And you know, now you see the whole toy aspect of it. You know, you can market a whole new line of toys with all these new characters. And you know, but Optimus Prime died. Like that was that was wild. And. That was the thing that hooked me to Generation 1. The thing that bugged me... Well, before we get to the bug part, just the idea of the, the, the movie and, and what the impact the movie had on so many fans that are really, whether you were a toy collector or not. Uh, yeah, the movie itself is kind of a... It's a mid-'80s cultural signpost. It's one of those things that... Uh, everyone knows and they know at least a scene or they know a song or they know right. something and there's always something and like, that show Glow has a song from the Transformers movie which I couldn't believe oh man I haven't, I haven't seen the show but yeah even in, um, so like people know The Touch or Dare like those are songs or even like the real, some of the really bad like 80s hair band stuff that's in there uh, but people remember characters dying and I think that's a shock because that's something that doesn't happen in cartoons and the Transformers cartoon even before that was doing stories about religion and theology and all sorts of weird things and then the history of the the, the you know of cybertron in the world that uh it kind of really captured the imagination that ngi joe because they kind of stemmed from the marvel uh writing team so there's a lot of the marvel elements in there um there's some crazy things in there that you go wow either the drugs were really good in the 80s or these guys were really given a lot of free reign but there's some very interesting things in there and i think that's what's hooked people in long term especially with the movie in the in the episode of the toys that made us on He-Man, which I'm sorry, that's the best. That's the best of the toys that made us. That that is, when they when they interviewed the old man, that talked about how he came up with the names for all the characters. Like it was literally like these idiots standing in a room just figuring it out. I don't, I, I mean idiots in a in a in a very loving sense, but Transformers have this whole Japanese connection, and since you are the historian, like tell me about that and how because it comes from Japan, some of it gets lost in translation, not to coin a phrase. Uh, it does, but it's, and it's weird, because the, the show and the fiction is, uh, at least from the outset, is entirely American designed. So it was created by Bob, uh, Bob Budiansky and Jim Shooter of Marvel, and, and so a lot of the storytelling is, is American, but the toys do come from Japan, so they have that, that vibe to it. The, the continuity actually splits off um, right around the movie, right after the movie and the Japanese uh, storyline actually has three more seasons of stories before they get to the American season four uh, which was only five episodes the show got canceled as they were producing it um, so there's um, yeah so there's a lot there as far as what happens in Japan there's there's whole other story arcs and 
probably seven, I think, uh, full cartoon series that aired there that never aired here. Do people who go to your website, uh, are they Japanese? A lot of them? Uh, no, no, mostly American, Canadian, North American, but uh, uh, we do get a large uh, bit of Japanese traffic, yeah. Yeah, I, I would think. Uh, I always thought of that. I, I remember when I went to Japan back in the MLB days, I remember Darryl, the late Daryl Hamilton and I used to look for uh, headmasters. We were looking for headmasters DVDs, which now it's... You know, you can find them on iTunes and whatnot, but at the end, that was supposed to be like this big find that we were we were touring Electric City looking for headman. You should have asked me. I could have hooked you up with VHSs. Uh, a lot of things I wish I had to do with again. You know, the Headmasters cartoon is actually very fun. That's one of those uh, three series uh, after the movie that show up in Japan that didn't show up here. Uh, the Headmasters series was also dubbed in English, in um, but it was done in, I think, Indonesia or Singapore. Um, and it was done by basically four actors who also translated it, who also did all the voices, and um, it's become kind of a meme. Uh, there are some lines in there that are so bad and so poorly acted that uh, it's kind of hooked Transformers fans. Like, um, uh, like there's a, an episode where Scorponok dies at the end, and, and the narrator goes, will Scorponok return? Of course he will. <laughs> and those are like running gags throughout the throughout the uh, the history of the fandom, yeah. Very funny. <laughs> I like that. Um, and then there was a stretch where they just changed everything all the time. And this is before Michael Bay. There was a stretch from the end of the Generation 1 show to all these other shows. I remember Robots in Disguise. I remember Transformers Armada. Um, and there were different iterations of that. And it... It literally felt like change for change's sake. I say that about superheroes all the time. Like, it just seems like when something works, if you want to make more of them, that that's fine. But it just seemed like change for change, like making Optimus Prime a fire engine for 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 no reason. Okay, so some of that is change for change's sake. Some of that. Um so there's a gap, so to quickly go through the 90s. So Transformers ends in the U.S. in 1990. There's a two-year gap, 91 and 92, where there's nothing. 90. The dark times. Yeah, the dark times. And there was stuff in Japan and a little bit in Europe. And then from 93 through 95 is what's called Generation 2. And so Generation 2 is basically just repackaged uh, Generation 1 stuff right. with a couple of new toys. And no, no media except a 12-issue Marvel uh, limited series. Then 96 comes and Beast Wars gets launched. And that's one. That's the thing. So that's what I knew I was missing something. So that's when people feel is change for change's sake. And as far as the aesthetic, the design aesthetic, absolutely is. As far as the storytelling goes, it's considered usually the best. One, one or two, depending on who you ask, of the best Transformers series of all time. Uh, and that ran for three years, then became Beast Machines. Uh, which wasn't as good, but they wrapped, so that was basically a five-year chunk. Then we get to Robots in Disguise, and what happened there is that Hasbro had new leadership. They tried to, decided to switch gears and go back to... Um, robots. Yeah. And cars. Robots and cars. And they decided it basically minutes before Toy Fair that year in February. So uh, they didn't even have product to show at Toy Fair. So what they did is that Robots in Disguise series was a series in 2000 called Transformers Car Robots. Uh, which was in Japan at the time. And those characters weren't Optimus Prime or Megatron. They had names like Fire Convoy and Gigatron. They were different characters. And Hasbro said, we don't have time. We're going to redo these same toys, rerun them, and then we're going to bring over the show and dub it. 
And so that's what they did basically for that. And then it was on like Fox Kids or something like that. Yeah, and they did that for that. And then for the next three years, they worked in tandem with Takara and just made one cartoon for both regions of the world. So they dubbed over the Japanese show. So that's kind of where the quality was lacking because the level of the dub, depending on the show, wasn't very good. It wasn't good. And then Transformers Armada, am I skipping a lot of time? Uh, no. So you have Robots in Disguise, which is its own kind of continuity. Then you have Armada, Energon, and Cybertron, which vary. Uh, Armada's kind of the middle of the quality, Energon's kind of the worst, and then Cybertron was kind of the best. And then you get into Transformers Animated post-movie, which is, again, considered one of the best series of all time. Okay. So, so I remember the Armada because it was marketed during uh, Justice League. That was during the Justice League run, the, the, the Justice League animated series, that, I mean, the, the, the centerpiece of, of, of superhero animation. And you'd always see that. And I, I just always remember uh, that part of it. Um, when does the movie come in? So you're saying Transformers animated, which I remember, but it's, that's after the first movie, correct? Uh, right, it's uh, right before the first movie. So it's right around... Uh, Animated started in 2006 and ended in 2008, so it was it bookends the movie. Uh, so it's still going on as the the movie gets introduced. The movie, the the, the first movie. Let's just go by the first movie. I'll tell you my my takeaways were when they t when they announced that Peter Cullen's going to be in it. I'm like, wow, they get it. They they, they understand it. Um, it seemed to me. Like what was wrong with the He-Man movie? I don't need these guys to go to Earth. I don't want them on Earth. And it seemed like um, what's the, what's the example? Oh, the Thor movie, the current in the Marvel world, where Thor, you know, in Asgard is a great piece of cinema, and then all of a sudden he comes to Earth, and it's like he's eating French fries, and the, like it's strange. It seemed like they played up the human element to such the degree and created these people that I didn't care about, so then I couldn't get involved with their their role in the war. Yeah, I would say that's... that's Is that fair? I feel that's, that's a criticism of the Bay Mill movies overall. I think it gets worse as time goes on, because you want... I, I mean, from a, from a perspective of someone who's seen the fr franchise get rebooted, I get the idea that you want kids and young adults to relate to this, to kind of feel like they're part of the story. So you need a, a human connection to some extent. Uh, I think but too much. Yeah, and I think you only need it once. And there was too much. And with all Michael Bay movies, there's too much going on all at once, and too many threads going on. I think the first movie is well done, but you can also see the parts that are kind of touched by Spielberg. So the story, you know, that that one was produced, uh, executive produced by Steven Spielberg. So you feel like, to me, there's a lot of a story there of a boy in his car, and there that's it's it's almost it's kind of like E.T. It's kind of got that vibe to it. And then there's all the other stuff, which is totally Michael Bay and things exploding and things moving too fast and you can't tell what's going on and stories that don't make sense. And I think you end up leaning more towards that as you go down into the sequels. But does that, like, like you're a diehard, right? Like, you're a, you're a, you're a fan. Mm -hmm. You walk out of that movie theater, like, what, what are you thinking at that point? Like, it doesn't affect me. Look, I, I'll tell you the truth. When, when Man of Steel came out, it broke my heart. Like, I was like, what? How did you take my guy and do that to him? What was your reaction when you walk out of the first Transformers movie? 
So actually, when I walked out of the first movie, there was a, a feel of excitement because we really thought it was going to be worse than it was. Um, I had seen it at BotCon, which is the, was the annual Transformers convention. They, they had done a, they had timed it to be like a week before the movie came out, so we got to see it. And um, my, I think the vibe was one, it was entertaining, and it was better than we thought it would be, and we thought there would be a better sequel coming because they got all the BS out of the way, kind of like. Um, it made a ton of money too. Yeah, and. For what it was, it wasn't a terrible movie. It just wasn't a great movie. Uh, I think the second one was the one where you walked out heartbroken and disappointed because they had laid all the groundwork. Um, it's like if X, X-Men 2 had gone and gone through the trouble of reintroducing Rogue and reintroducing Logan and trying to, trying to explain all those people to you again when you know you just saw it in the previous movie. Uh, the fact Fair. You know, kind of how the MCU works, where you can just jump into that movie now, and you don't know, need to know who Thor and Captain America are. That's what we were hoping, and having a bit of more robot focus, less human focus, and they didn't do that. And I think the second movie, and then everything after that, everyone goes in kind of with low expectations and kind of hoping to. How many have there been? There have been uh, five sequel, five total movies, and then Bumblebee will be the sixth, and that may be a soft reboot. We don't know. Right. So, so, okay, so. After that, tell me about what makes Transformers Animated uh, so good. So after a couple of the Bay movies, they decide to reboot Transformers on in animation again. They come up with a show called Transformers Animated. What was what was that? So, so Transformers Animated uh, one was fun. It, it wasn't. It didn't take itself too very far. light, right? It was very kid friendly. It was kid friendly, but it was also adult friendly. With a lot of Easter eggs, there were a lot of. Um, it was more in the vein of like when I first saw it, I saw um, Teen Titans. Like that's what it looked like to me. Okay, um, not Teen Titans Go, the the first Teen Titans show. Uh, no, no, Teen Titans Go, like that kind okay. of like kidified animation a little bit. Uh, and I, it actually, I was turned off to the animation, but the writing and the and the the humor. And they got a good voice cast, and it wasn't dubbed. It was it was produced here in the United States, so that there was there was something to it. And then there were a lot of deep dives, deep cuts, characters hiding out in the background that like you're like, oh, there's there's a version of so and so in that back panel. So they did a lot of little. Give me one for instance. Um, I'm trying to remember because there's also stuff that is in uh, a book that they published after the fact. So they're they've done they sketched out basically almost every character at some point to have them just even be just a background figure a crowd figure um, but one instance in there is the constructicons in there there's only two and they're made to look kind of like new york city construction workers and they have like that that brash attitude and they're kind of dumb and silly and fun um they made devastator they never yeah, well they didn't they was only two. i kept my transformers card <laughs> um weird al is a voice on there as Rekgar from and he turns into a garbage truck. And he was Rekgar in, he did Dare to be Stupid, which is in the Transformers movie. So that, I, I, I'm on some cred right there. Which is the scene with the junkie on. So that's how, it, that's how, that's one of, that's a great example of how they would tie everything back together. So, uh, and, the, and then story, as far as the story arc goes, they had a three-year story arc. They had a four-year story arc, but they got canceled after three. And they wrapped it up and they did some really cool things with it. Okay. Um, and then, so the Bay movies were keep, keep going on. Mm-hmm. After the fifth, it was Transformers Five. Um, critici- I started noticing criticism overshadowing the the money. Like they kept making money, so you couldn't really argue with success. You know, I just used to think it's not my cup of tea. Like that's 
you know, I, I don't have to like everything. I don't, I don't watch Game of Thrones. That's okay. <laughs> He's looking at me like, what the hell's wrong with you? But <laughs> I've heard it before. But this idea that when, when do you think they decided to say, wait a second, we're not hitting a target here because those robots, like, you can't see their faces. Like, you, they don't, you don't get who they are. I, I don't know. And now it seems from at least a trailer that they were Bumblebee, they want to bring back all the modern-looking Generation 1 guys. So I think that decision was made sometime last year because <laughs> the Bumblebee uh, film's release date was supposed to be in May, and it got pushed back to December. And, and in, the, in the process of all this, uh, Hasbro decided to really take the reins on their um, character designs and their, and all of their uh, media properties. So they ended their their ongoing TV series to start a new one. They uh, basically have wrapped up their toy lines and uh, have started over with some of them. Uh, they wrapped up their kids show Rescue Bots and started it over. Um, they've started selling toys that are called Authentics uh, and released these series of evergreen designs. So think about it this way, like with Batman, right? Batman is, he's blue or black, but he always has the gloves, he always has the cowl, he has three spikes on the gloves, that's like a thing, right? That's that's Batman, and they started doing that with Optimus Prime, they pulled him back, because movie Optimus Prime and Generation 1 Optimus Prime and don't look the same. So they, they're trying to get into this this mode of everything kind of being the same. They've even can't, they even ended all their comic book series, which are incredibly successful and incredibly popular. Um, and I think that all came down about a year ago, and it's all leading into Bumblebee. Now, if you see the trailer from Bumblebee, one of the speculations a lot of people are having now is that the scenes of the other Transformers that you're seeing, the the you know the Tetra Jets and Shockwave and, and Soundwave and Optimus Prime and the Hologram, a lot of people are thinking that's only going to show up in flashback, and it's only that scene. Um, oh, no. Because, and this is why, because the rest of the robots on Earth still have designs that are very similar to Michael Bay. So they have more of a Bay Universe design versus a G1 design. Whether or not that happens in the movie, maybe, maybe there's enough reshoots where it won't just be flashbacks. But I think that's where they're, they're headed. So they're trying to dial back the Bay thing. Is Michael Bay involved in Bubble Bay? He, no. he, he says, I'm done with Transformers? Uh, he, he said that the last four movies, but... <laughs> Is Mark Wahlberg in this? No. No. Because they always do that bit. Ralph Garman always makes fun of him. He always says, it's a Transformer. <laughs> I got him to do that once, actually, uh, when I was out there for a BotCon. Uh, we, we were there in the audience, and he read my email, and, and we had him... It's a Transformer. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Um, no, he... Uh, they... I don't think my, I don't think Mark Wahlberg's in there. I would rather see Mark Wahlberg talk to animals in a version of Beast Wars. <laughs> so, you know, bring back the SNL sketch. But uh, um, what do you think? What do you think this is? Obviously, we have to have you back then after Bumblebee. Sure. We'll make we'll make a deal for that. But I guess it's a, it's at a crossroads for the franchise because if you go by the model. You know, I, I, I made this comment on, on, a, on a previous episode of Hall of Justice. I said, if, if we don't know how movies are going to be distributed in 10 years, like we don't know what movie theaters are going to be like. They're, they're, they're losing money hand over fist now. The only movies that make any, any money are blockbusters, so the franchises all have to do it. It's the argument why 
you know, somebody said to me, uh, well, super, they shouldn't make a Superman movie for like five years. Make you miss this character before you reintroduce him. Andrew Garfield came too fast after Tobey Maguire. You didn't get a chance. And for the Transformers, they're not going to stop. Like, this Bumblebee movie, even if it tanks, which it won't, they're not stopping. They're going to make new ones. They're going to keep going with this thing. Where is this franchise headed? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, but is it as good as they? Like, do you think they have a plan? Uh, I would. They. I would assume they have a plan. They. They tend to plan two or three years out. There, as far as you know, since everything is based off the toy line, they're already working on the toy line probably for early 2020 at this point. So, wow. so they're they there's a lead time to the physical product. Um, I would say, yeah, I, you know what, I don't know. I think this is one last shot at the nostalgia side. But on the other hand, you know, if you look at, and I use the toys as a, as a guide because this is who they're marketing to, right? So the shows got marketed to the people who then go out and buy the toys. Um, the younger generation, the, the ages of like 20 to 25, the, you know, people who are starting to have disposable income, they grew up on the Bay movies. So there's a series of toys right now called Studio Series that I listen to a podcast that's all 25 and under hosts about Transformers, and they love movies. I think it all begins there. They know, they know, they know it doesn't, but that's their sweet spot. And and I think they're, you know, just like for me, like, you know what, 90s X-Men is my sweet spot. You know, Jim Lee, you know, that that kind of stuff. But for somebody else, it's it's early Chris Claremont and John, and John Byrne, or, or it's Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, you know? So there, there's, certain, there's certain places there where, um, you know, it's what, what hits home for you. So um, I just heard Robert Kirkman on a podcast, and he was talking about the Wolverine costume, right? And it's like, for me, it's the brown and yellow. And for him, it's the brown and yellow. And he, that's actually the one he didn't, he's worn that the shortest of most of his costumes. And, and so, like, to me, though, that, that's, that's what he always was. So there's that. There's some bit of a nostalgia to that. Um, but where is the line and the franchise headed? That all depends on the media market, really. Um, hopefully they... If I, if, I mean, for me, like, if I had my way, it would be for them to do a TV series based off the comics that they just currently wrapped up. They just did a 12-year run. I mean, for me, if I had my way, uh, they would be doing uh, a series based on the last 12 years of comics. Because there's some incredible stories. There's some... And that's in Generation 1 continuity? That is an A Generation 1 continuity. Right. So, yeah, so it's in a modern version of the continuity. It doesn't mean that every show that aired on, you know, Channel 5 it, it, it happened, but it's it's those characters. Uh, yeah. It's an easy launch. For people listening to this, it's an easy way to launch into the franchise. Yeah, I mean, you know, not all the characters are exactly the same. Some were written a little differently, but the models are the same. Optimus is the... Wheeljack? Wheeljack is still saying my all-time favorite character. Is he really? Yeah. <laughs> I just picked that random. <laughs> um, His voice, though, never matched the car. He was a sports car, and I understand he was like the tech guy. He was was he the doctor? No, no, no. He was kind of the inventor. Yeah. yeah. The inventor. Right. right. His voice. He sounded like an old Jewish guy. His voice was actually um, Chris Lotta, who is uh, the voice of Starscream and uh, Cobra Commander. I love this. I love this. It's kind of like a dialed back low version of that voice. So, uh, yeah, he sounds like a mechanic is really what he sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's an <laughs> example. Um, but so you're saying that the, so this is after IDW? IDW produced Transformers comics, and then they folded, right? No, like, no. So... Has, uh, Hasbro told them to wrap it up, basically, because of this whole line-wide re... And, and this is more speculation. I don't know if Hasbro told them to wrap it up, but they basically have decided to wrap up their continuity. 
Um, they presumably will find out this weekend, uh, relaunching into a new continuity uh, in 2019. But they had done a, what is the longest run of any single Transformers continuity in, in doing a 12-year comic book run. And uh, there's some phenomenal storytelling in it. That's, that's fascinating. I, I, I would love a launch point. I, I would, you know, I make no secret about the fact that I have great admiration for the Generation 1 and yet the Michael Bay movies are unwatchable to me. Like, I remember Voodoo, you know that app Voodoo, they, 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 hey, congratulations, you just uploaded your, your ninth movie, here's Transformers 4, and I was like, what am I doing with this? Like, it, it, it's unwatchable. Um, but I'm happy that, that there's a future, and, and I, I like that, that kind of idea. I think that'll be really, really neat. Um, so yeah, uh, what I would recommend for you, if you want to get into some good Transformers stories or for your listeners, if uh, they want to find a good jumping on point. Um, Graphic novels now of those? You know, collected editions. Uh, Transformers More Than Meets the Eye, uh, which is the subtitle of the series, uh, written by James Roberts. Uh, that's kind of the, um, the pinnacle of Transformers writing uh, overall. Uh, that started about five years ago and uh, then morphed into what's called Transformers Lost Light now. Um, that whole series run, if you like oddball, a little bit of oddball comedy, a little interesting character dynamic, I like to think of it as Star Trek The Next Generation as Transformers. Um, it, just because it's, it's about a ship in space and the things they run into. I remember when the Star Trek cast met the X-Men in a comic book. Uh, just this year, IDW is actually doing uh, Transformers Star Trek crossover. And it's uh, Star Trek. Chris Pine? No, Star Trek the Animated Series meets G1. <laughs> the Animated Series is great. That was on, uh, that was on uh, Netflix or so it was on something where I, I, I re-watched that whole animated series and it, 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 it had some really bad animation. I've never seen it, but I've only heard terrible things. <laughs> hey man, this was fun. This was yeah, fun. Absolutely. You were worried that we weren't going to get a half hour out of this. <laughs> no, we got plenty. I can go on for hours, as evidenced by 36 episodes of my show. There's a lot of stuff. All right, tell people about the podcast and how they can find you. I subscribe to the podcast. Tell people how they can. All right, so you can get the podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, uh, Google Play. Uh, if you're hearing this, you can get it. Yeah, if you're hearing this, you can get the, You can get it. You can also check it out on YouTube, youtube.com slash tfuinfo. Uh, that's youtube.com slash tfuinfo. Uh, I post them all as videos there. They're nothing to watch. They're just audio, but uh, uh, there's some other video stuff there as well. You want, you want a great YouTube story? 2013, I mean, people who know, subscribe to this know I worked with Prince. And Prince emailed us music that he created, that he sent to us because he wanted to play it, us to play it on our show. And the only way to play Spreecasts were you had to put them as YouTube and you could put YouTube, you could embed YouTube links into Spreecast. That was the way it worked. So you had, whatever it was, you'd have to upload it to YouTube. We uploaded music that came from Prince, flagged. It was Prince's material. You have to take it down. I went, he gave it to us. And I, I, I called the number or whatever. And I said, he gave it to us. He said, BS. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done with YouTube. <laughs> wow. Uh, that is a true story. You know, speaking of Prince, and I got a question for you since you, you, you I, I mean, you got to work with him. Um, did you get to talk to him much? Yeah, okay. a couple times. Because I feel like this is something you might have asked him. Because <laughs> I saw Rob Paulson earlier today, the voice of uh, Yakko from Yes, Animaniacs. yes, yes. 
you ever ask him? He does a great podcast, too. Oh, the uh, fingerprints. Yes. You look for fingerprints. No, thanks. <laughs> Did you ever ask him? No, no. <laughs> but that's a great line. That's, that's, a very, that's, that's a very funny. When they announced uh, Animaniacs was going to Hulu, that's one of the first episodes I showed, and I was with my kids, and they were like, they thought it was funny because they saw a picture of Prince, but the, the total, the joke, fingerprints, no, no, <laughs> no thanks. I love when jokes go over people's yeah. heads. It's the best. Uh, <laughs> it's a very, very, very funny thing. All right, uh, Anthony, thanks again. Again, we'll put the links uh, in, the, in the show notes. That's a new thing. That's an underdog rule. you got to put links in the show notes. I never knew about that. Uh, for Anthony Brucalli, I'm Seth Everett. Thanks for listening to the Hall of Justice. This is Zebrelios from Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Seth Everett and the Hall of Justice podcast. Carabast. Yeah. <laughs>